Hey everybody and welcome to another exciting and amazing episode of Finding Peaks. Your host, Chris Burns, president and founder, also and better well known as recovery cheerleader for all of those that need a cheerleader. I have my co-host and good friend, chief clinical officer, Jason Friesma. Welcome to the show, my Thank friend. Thank you, buddy. Absolutely. Good to be here. And we have just some amazing guests. I've been looking forward to this for months. Um, we have Brooke Perez with KK Fearless, founder. Yes. Awesome. And we have her mother, Melinda Jackson, mother of the founder of KK Fearless. I am. Yes. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show, you all. Thank you. Really appreciate y'all coming out. Of course. I want to kind of set the stage for um, the viewers and the listeners out there. KK Fearless uh, is a nonprofit developed by Brooke, as well as her cousin, Stephanie, yep. mm -hmm. um, to raise money for musical spaces inside treatment programs. Um, turns out that not a lot of treatment programs have this opportunity, and a lot of our people that check into programming um, find solace and strength and spirituality and connection and so much more in these musical spaces. So their nonprofit is wrapped around raising money for these programs. It came out of um, tragedy, though. Mm -hmm. um, it came out of a tremendous amount of grief. Um, Kevin and Crystal, both brother and sister, lost their lives in the battle of addiction and mental health. Yeah. And so. That's what we have here is, uh, this is actually Kevin's hand. Yes, it is Kevin. He's got really nice hands. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's big the, hands. Big hands. Yeah, big hands. And it's got fearless on the thumb and has the two hands here. Um, just really, really cool. And so that's what we're here to do today is build up the cause for KK Fearless and talk about how we're going to be um, having musical spaces in our new facility. We're going to have Crystal's Corner in the women's program and Kevin's Corner in the men's program. It's going to be a really cool opportunity to kind of allow their, their energy and their zest for life and just their, their smiles to live on in a really, really cool way. Yeah. And so I wanted to bring you guys all on here today. Talk a little bit about your journey, a mother's journey, a sister's journey through some of this pain, mm -hmm. some of this grief, and how we're coming out the other side to really um, you know, connect with this cause and build it up so that maybe others that are going through a similar situation don't have to suffer in the way that... Crystal and Kevin Absolutely. ultimately did. So mm -hmm. thank you all for coming on the show. We will get right into it. Um, why are you open to addressing some of these issues? I'll start with Melinda. Okay. Um, where does the openness come from? I've had a, a tremendous amount of grief in my life and finding openness to share with people, places and things has been really difficult at times. Mm -hmm. Why are you so open to sharing about KK Fearless and your beautiful children? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think somebody needs to. Somebody has to talk about it. Somebody has to start the conversations. Um, and I'm completely capable of doing that. It doesn't bother me to talk about them. I'm not ashamed of them. I'm not ashamed of what they, who they were, what mm. they did, because I knew them at their core. And so I'm not ashamed of it. And I'm not going to let anybody shame me to where I can't talk about my own children because they were addicts. Mm. And that's why I'm here, because somebody's got to do it. Someone's got to start talking. Yeah. And just keep doing it to, to break the stigma, which is her goal. Yeah. You know, one of her goals. So somebody's got to do it. So it might as well be me. Yeah, I love what you pointed to there. Beautifully stated is like, I know my children's true, genuine, authentic self. Yeah. I knew their I've core. I wasn't embarrassed by them. Yeah. Never was I ever embarrassed by them or who they were, what choices they made. You know, because I knew who they were. Yeah. Everybody else saw the repercussions or whatever of the choices that they had made at one time. Yeah. Um, but I knew who they were, and I knew I was not dealing with 
the addict. Mm -hmm. It was my child. Yeah. They were still there. I knew them. Mm -hmm. And their heart, because they were such good people. Such good people. They were amazing. They, everybody knew it but them. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you're so, you're so right. I mean, the, the, the time that we got to spend with Crystal in particular, mm -hmm. I mean, I've never known Crystal outside of recovery. Yeah. I've never seen Crystal not draw us over breath. Yeah. I have this really privileged view, and I know your experience with her is quite the same. Mm -hmm. Just incredible human. She was. Absolutely incredible. Fill the room. She did. I mean, I, I have a lot of pictures still on my phone of her just from the, the adventures we had back in, in the <laughs> yeah. first of Serenity Peaks days back in the day. Yes. With sledding and hut trip and, and all that stuff. Uh -huh. And yeah, she's so full of life. How, how, did you, how did you keep that in the forefront of your mind? Because I do think people get lost and like hung up on behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, and they get confused about who their, their person is, like at their core. Yeah. How, how did you hold on to that? Because, I don't know. I, it's just, I, when I looked at them, I didn't see an addict. Okay, yeah. I saw who they were. Yeah. And um, I didn't see them as an addict. So it just, because mm. I think I had that outlook, um, I, knew, I knew what they were doing. I knew the choices they had made weren't sure. right and that they would, pro it would probably kill them if they didn't get help, right? But, um, yeah, I mean, I just... I think that, I feel like that has a lot to do with not giving up on them, right? Mm -hmm. And not yeah. seeing yeah. that side of them because you know better and you know more. Yeah. You know that, that mm -hmm. they're more than that. Yeah. And you didn't give up on that. Yeah, their lives have to mean something to somebody, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Not just me not just her, mm -hmm. their life and who they were and what they brought to everybody that they were around, it's got to mean something to somebody. Mm -hmm. And so we're here to carry that on because I know if she was still here or Kevin was still here, they would affect everybody they, they came around and it would be a, a good. Even when they were in the height of their um, abuse, drug abuse, mental illness, whatever, they were still the bright, this light. They could see their families and their friends and they loved and they, they it didn't change how they loved their families and stuff. It, it, they didn't love themselves. Yeah. That, you know, and if they could have seen who they were from my eyes, right? Yeah. They had no idea. And, and most people don't, because if you're in that situation, it's because you're suffering from some type of um, depression, mental illness, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You don't see yourself the way other people see you, and you give up on yourself. And I just never gave up on them. I tried not to, I really tried not to. Yeah. And that's profound, I think. You know, there's, I just got done reading a book called The Journey of a Heroic Parent. We actually did an episode on it a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago. Um, and there's a lot of shame that parents carry in regards to some of this stuff. And I think it's really important for mothers and dads and family members of people that are struggling to hear your message right now because oftentimes that shame lives in isolation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I have nobody to talk to. And Absolutely. Maybe you can touch on how you came out of that isolation or maybe you never went into it. I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think at first I was ashamed because I didn't understand it. But we're talking about... Uh, teenagers yeah. we're not talking about the adult crystal or the adult kevin mm -hmm. we're talking about the 13 and 14 year old teenagers 
that um, were doing stupid stuff. And, um, you know, as a mom, you think that it's just the phase. Right. They're just, you know, they're just hanging out with their friends, you know. So I was, I honestly, I didn't really worry about it too much. Um, but then I'm just, as they continued to do it and as they got older and then it got worse and worse and worse, um, I wasn't ashamed of them because I understood, I guess, why they were doing what they were doing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I tried to understand it. First I was, you know, um, trying to get them sober by punishment. Right. Yeah. Right? Huh? Sober, sober by punishment, whatever that looks like to your to your child. Or intervention. Take, or, I'm gonna take yeah, this. you take you this do, yeah. away. You take that away. Yeah. You um, take the car away. You know, right. I bought them everything that I could, and then you start taking stuff away, and you're trying to negotiate their recovery through holding things from them and punishing them. Um, and I, but I never felt shame. I didn't, but I saw other people look at me and feel sorry for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, almost like out of their shame, they yeah. felt sorry for me because right. they're, you know, oh, you know, don't want to talk about that, right. you know? And it's the reality. Somebody's got to start talking about it. Yeah. And not be afraid to do it. Yeah. Seriously. It's got, it's, it, it, the shame and the avoidance and, sweeping it under and hiding from it has got to stop yeah. and it's the whole family it's not just the addict yeah. it's got to everybody's got to stop yeah so what I love that. about your guys' cause is you guys live out loud mm -hmm. I mean in a really profound way mm -hmm. um, and you scream it from the rooftops yeah I it, would it is so beautiful. I told I used to tell Crystal wave your flag girl yeah <laughs> wave it whatever it is whoever you are wave your flag yeah. Okay. We love you. We accept you how you are. Yeah. And wave the flag. Just represent yourself. Yeah. Cause you're amazing. And I told her that all the time. Yeah. It's so true too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so true. It is. What does it mean for you, Brooke, to have your mom a part of this and kind of in the studio today? And um, why are you? Why do you have so much courage to get up here? And I know we've checked in before, but kind of talk to the viewers a little bit about what this means to you, and as it's certainly evolved since the last episode. Um, what it's meant to you then and, and kind of what it means to you today. Yeah, I mean, I think the meaning behind it still means the same. I mean, to be able to carry on Crystal and Kevin's legacy is the whole purpose of all of this. Um, and, you know, to go to what she says is just to remember them for who they were and not by, you know, the choices that they made, mm -hmm. um, but actually see them for who they were, the beautiful people that they mm -hmm. were. and. You know, I'm not going to let them go down as another number. I'm going to yeah. continue to talk about them and who they were. And, you know, even on social media, I love sharing the videos I have of them. Mm -hmm. And you get to hear Crystal's laugh and you get mm -hmm. to hear them play their music. And it's like, this is who they were. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it's really great for some of the followers who never knew them to be like, oh, this is who this person was. And to hear them and see how talented and beautiful they were and to know that they're a person just yeah. like anyone else. Yeah. Um, so to, again, go towards breaking that stigma of they weren't just addicts or junkies or yeah. whatever you want to call them, they were more than that. Yeah. Um, and here, let me show you that they were more than that. And mm -hmm. so, again, that whole screaming from the rooftops, I'm not ashamed of them. And 
Um, you know, I'm here to tell everyone who they were. And I believe that that's my, mm-hmm. my calling. And I always say, you know, I didn't choose it, it chose me. And that's, that's what it is. And I'm proud to be a part of it, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. I mean, I think I talked about your social media. I want to say it was just a couple of weeks ago you posted a video. Yeah. Crystal and I was like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. yeah. It's like a 10 simple. second yeah. clip, yeah. but you hear her laugh yeah. and it's so beautiful, right? Yeah, Contagious. I, I love what you guys are hitting on too, because I think it's important for the viewers to remind themselves that the cart came before the horse. Meaning before I found a coping mechanism that almost worked, that's what substances are. Mm-hmm. Um, there was mental health and issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I always dub my, my famous quote is, my right leg was tapping and I couldn't sit still in fifth grade, long before I ever mm-hmm. was introduced to substances. Mm-hmm. And so I think you guys bring up a really valuable point for um, people that are watching the show is like, we can separate those things. You know, there's a lot of people that everybody copes and everybody copes differently. Yeah. It just turns out that the coping mechanism that mm-hmm. we had, Kevin, um, Crystal and myself, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. world shines a light on and says, you're bad. Yep. Yeah. You know, I yep. think they've been saying it since the war on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And yeah. so I love that you're, you're, you're allowing the viewers in the world to meet Crystal and Kevin for who they truly are. Yeah, yeah. that's the best part about it, honestly. Yeah. I know it is. is. And I have, you know, I have these like little gold nuggets, I call them, where I have an entire folder of pictures and videos of them and I'm holding them, you know, close yeah. and dear to my heart and like, oh, maybe like once a year I'll post these because these are gold yeah. right now. You know, yeah. I don't want to just keep, you know, it's social media, whatever. It's, it's still so important to me that I'm not just throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. I'm letting people like get to know them gradually and see who they were. Yeah. Um, and so that's been really great about that. Yeah. yeah. The world is going to get to know your siblings and your children through your eyes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That's what we want. Yeah. So speaking of the, the, your children through your eyes, mom, tell me a little bit about Kevin and Crystal through mom's eyes, singing stories, yeah. camp trips. Like what? Tell me a little bit about your beautiful children. You know, Crystal and Kevin were fearless, and that's why Crystal had the fearless ring. She was five foot two and wasn't afraid of anything, right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. For sure. She was not afraid of anything, but she was always that way. Yeah. Her and Kevin, not afraid to do anything. We always had fun. We did rafting trips where they would jump off cliffs and drag her up with them, and she was scared to death because she was the youngest, and she did everything they wanted to do, but they were all about living life and, excite- and excitement and thrill, you know? Um, we camped, I taught them to fish. She still fishes. Kevin was big into fishing. Um, and we would go camping, and her and I and Kevin would be fishing all day, and Crystal would be in the car listening to music or reading. So right, you have these, these two people that both suffered from the same addiction and completely two different people that were my children. So mm-hmm. there's no way to know what you're what you're going to be up against. I just don't feel like there is when, yeah. when you're, you're looking at it that way. But um, we had a lot of time, a lot of fun. They um, were great in school. They uh, had a lot of friends. They were, the three of them were the most popular kids in the school. Um, well, I was always known as either Crystal's sister right. or, <laughs> oh, that's Kevin's uh, sister. Oh, there she is. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's me, Brooke. But they knew, yeah. they, were, they were, I used to call them my pod of people because they were all just a year apart. And so if one couldn't do it, then nobody could do it, or if all of them, you know what I mean? So 
If they all three couldn't do it, nobody got to do it, because that's how it was. It was the three of us, or three of them, and me. And um, they just, we had so much fun with them doing everything. Just, I don't know, it's just a lot of fun. We did a lot of stuff. I took them to the beaches. They loved the beach. They loved the water. Um, they both taught themselves how to play the guitar. Are you, they, are you musical as well? No. Okay. Do you her, sing? Her brother is. My okay. family yeah. is. Okay. My mom sang opera. My grandma. My mom, my, yeah. I mean, my brother's a musician. Okay. Um, and his, a lot of my dad's side and his family. Um, okay. But. My phone's ringing. It's you. Sorry. Yeah. I have to imagine that like some of those like family trips or um, just like the sing-alongs. Like, you know, just like hard being a part of that. Yeah. And such like a musically gifted. It was so much people. fun. Mostly like the classics, you know, so like Queen and ACDC <laughs> and Kevin Spagging playing the air drums. Yeah, and, we had a lot of fun yeah. doing all of that. But they taught themselves how to play these instruments and stuff. Nobody taught them. So um, they taught themselves how to do it and play the guitar and stuff. And that's the, some of those videos we have. Crystal taught herself how to play the piano because she would listen to the song and then get on the piano and, That's you know. That's incredible. Yeah, they just, they loved, they loved life. They had a great family. We, yeah. we were a great family. We had lots of support and love and. So you grew up on the lake, fishing, yeah. doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. We, we did. We had a lot of fun. Um, mm -hmm. They weren't um, deprived of anything yeah. ever, yeah. you know. Yeah, and yeah. I was happy to, I was happy to do that. Yeah. And you see that a lot too, and I think it's a misnomer in the community that like sometimes these these um, circumstances are synonymous with tough family upbringings, and they are at times, mm -hmm. but not always. I was sitting in a group earlier today, and I said sometimes needs don't get met in great families for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. right. Great families, mm -hmm. and I'm sitting with one right now. I mean, it sounds like a family that I'd love to be a part of. Oh, we had fun. You know, we didn't quite have the, the, the connection on the lake trips that you all had, so. <laughs> well, we, we did a lot of stream fishing, let me just say that. Hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of stream fishing, that's how she learned to fly fish. Oh, she knew how to fly fish? Me. Oh, oh cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, Crystal. Crystal did not fish. <laughs> no. Crystal and Kevin, that's how I taught them, is on a stream with a regular pole and a worm. She used to bait my hook when she was three. She'd carry oh. my bait box around and bait my hook because I didn't like to touch the worms. Oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> and she didn't care. She's three, she's like, I got by it. the time she was like three years old, she, and that's how they learned and it was, I'm proud of that looking back because how much she loves to fish uh -huh. now and how good she is at it and Kevin loved it too. It was a passion of his. Really and cool. I'm proud of that because I think that came from the bonding that we had when they were young. Yeah, oh absolutely. Yeah. It was entrenched from a young age. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's really, really cool. Like ecosystem and story and family. It just sounds like you all got along really well too, and especially in like the sibling group. Yeah, we were, were all, all like a year friends. apart. Yeah. They so, were, yeah, yeah we were they all best were friends. attached. Yeah, they were attached mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah, I found a lot of times too when siblings are really close like that, it oftentimes has a lot to do with the way that mom's kind of directing the show and mm -hmm. kind of the energy you're pouring down mm -hmm. onto those mm -hmm. kids. I, yeah. I think it's really cool. My brothers and I grew up with our like, hands at each other's throats. <clears throat> so a little bit different. Now well, we're they, friends. They fought. Don't, yeah. don't, don't oh, yeah. think that there wasn't <laughs> fights and that Crystal had scars on her face from her. I have scars all over my body from her. <laughs> they clawed each other and yeah. fought with each other. But you know what? They, they fought for each other, too. Oh, and yeah. that's what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Crystal beat up a guy in high school. For Kevin. 
Oh my because gosh. he Fork sucked, Fork he, sucker, he sucker punched Kevin and pulled his shirt over him, and oh Crystal God. heard it, and Crystal went and, and beat up this kid in school. They were in the school. They were in the hallway yeah. uh, in high school. Wow. Yeah. And they called me to the school totally because that. they knew. It's just like they knew. You Wait. protect your, that's your brother. That's yeah. your sister. Yeah. You protect She's them. Scrappy. Yeah. Yeah. That's scrappy. Yeah. That's, yeah. Great, that's a great, great that's a, right that is her. Yeah. She was, she didn't care. She was fearless. She was fearless. Yeah. She was. Yeah. She beat up this kid because he sucker punched Kevin. Oh my God. You know? But um, he didn't see that coming. No. And she, Whoa, get your sister off of me. Exactly. Yeah. Imagine living with that as a senior in high school. Oh a God. boy in a senior right? in high school. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they protected each other for sure. They fought within them, their little group, but um, they protected each other. That's cool. They did. Yeah. And she's still doing it. Exactly. So she's still say. doing it. She's still protecting We're still them. Still fighting. She's, yeah, exactly. We're, we're all still fighting for them. Yeah. Um, it's because it becomes where it's not a selfish endeavor anymore. Mm -hmm. Just like I'm sure what you guys do all the time. Yeah. It's not a selfish endeavor. You're trying to help these people. You want to see them. Yeah. Just like as a parent, you want to see them get through it and thrive and come out of it and then you see these amazing people that you have working for you who we just talked to today yeah they're you you know like kara they yes. did, they've gone through all of that and that's all a result of what you put into them yeah. and i put i tried to put that into them too and yeah. um and they knew i loved them mm -hmm. they knew i cared about them oh yeah i know they did mm -hmm. i know for a fact they did a mother's love can be felt miles away. Yeah. And that's something we've always felt yeah. with Crystal. Yeah. Yeah. Just that family love mm -hmm. and that she, engagement. Yeah, her family loves her. And they all, everybody accepts who they were. Yeah. And they're not ashamed of it. Nobody in my family is ashamed of who they were. I love that. I won't. And I'm not, I won't allow it. Yeah. Anyway. Your mom, mom said that's not going to happen here. No. Yeah. <laughs> what is, kind of a, kind of dovetail up of that, what is, some of the hardest parts about watching your two loved ones who you just fabulously describe, so many amazing characteristics mm -hmm. and energy and connectedness and hope and lively humans. Like, what is the toughest part about watching those two suffer in their addiction? The hardest part of um, being a mom is that you can't help them. I used to tell them that I would if I could, I would write a check and buy their sobriety. Mm. And I told them that all the time. Yeah. I'd give up everything. I'd sell my soul. I'd write a check. If I could buy it for you, I would. I would do anything I could. So you didn't have to go through this. So you didn't have to feel shame and feel like you weren't worthy and be um, just kind of cast aside because that's what people do to people that are struggling with anything, you know? Um, but I, that was the hardest thing was I couldn't fix it. Mm. You wanna do it for your kids, you wanna, if there's a problem, you wanna help them. Or friends or family, it doesn't matter, you wanna help them. Yeah. And um, it's, it's really hard to realize that you can't do it. They have to want it. Mm. Um, and you can't, like I said, you can't punish them into it. 
guilt them into recovery. You can't do any of that. They have to want it, and you have to be able to support them without judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's got to be, I mean, one of the <clears throat> tougher things to it walk is. through it's as hard. a mom is knowing that, you know, we, I, I have young kids, six and seven years old, and, like, I have every resource they need today. Mm-hmm. In fact, they tell me that. Right. Dad, whatever it is, you got it. Right. right? <laughs> and we go from this place of, like, literally meeting all of our kids' needs Mm -hmm. to being in a spot when they're an adult, um, to being a little bit disconnected from that and not being able to show up and really make any sort of movement, especially on the mental health side. It's this very, it's just this kind of this vast position of powerlessness as a mother. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't matter who you are or how much money you have because you can't buy it and you can't negotiate it. It is what it is, yeah. and you, you deal with it, and you accept the fact that that's what you're going to have to deal with yeah. um, one way or another, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. What was maybe the most difficult part for you, Brooke, walking through that with your brother and your sister, a little different than maybe mom's view? Yeah, I mean, it is quite different just because uh, they would tell me things they wouldn't tell her, you know. So I saw a lot of what they were doing and the mm-hmm. partying and the drugs. Mm-hmm. I saw that and was in that a lot more than she was, obviously. But um, that was difficult to see, and it was difficult to hear other people talk about them in ways where they were doing drugs with them or what have you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, yeah, it was really hard to be. I was basically straight edge. I mean, I and it's still today, I don't drink a whole lot. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm pretty boring, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, it was difficult to be that person in f- with all of their friends and for them to see me versus them mm-hmm. and see me as kind of an outcast, basically, mm-hmm. from the entire group. Yeah. Um, but it was more so difficult as we grew up and got out of the house and were adults and seeing them continue down that road and live on the streets and be in and out of homes. And, um, you know, I cut Crystal off for an entire year thinking that would help solve this and it didn't. It just made me even more sad that I didn't have that connection with her. Um, So yeah, it was, it was really hard because, like we had mentioned, we were all best friends, and so it's hard not being able to talk to them or text them and not hear back for weeks on end and just wondering, you know, are they safe? Where are they right now? What's going on? Um, yeah, it was really difficult growing up and seeing that and not being like that either, you know. There's nothing worse than waiting for that phone call. Huh? Nothing worse than waiting for that phone call yeah. every day. Every day. Not knowing where they are, what's going to happen. There's nothing worse than as, as a mom or a parent, a loved one, whatever. You just, you're always waiting, mm-hmm. always waiting. And that's hard. That's maybe hard. even to speak a little bit to, I mean, really both of your points too, but you know, maybe even yours, Brooke, because I, I wonder if that was a recommendation or a suggestion from one of the treatment providers. It was like set a boundary, create they, space. They do tell you that. And so, do yeah, you. don't yeah. enable, right? Right. <clears throat> the, That's the, the I've been told that a million times. Don't enable them. Don't. Yeah. En- and I'm the worst enabler, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. I think I can help them. Yeah. You know, and as what moms. Is, what does that even look like? How how do you help support someone without enabling? Yeah. Them? Yep. Right. What does that's, that look like? That's the that's the part that's hard to navigate through, mm-hmm. is because do you you know if they call you and they need money because they're hungry, 
Do I tell them no because they might and most likely will go buy drugs with it? What mm -hmm. do you do as, right. as a mom? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, looking back, I don't know that I made the right decision, but I don't know that I made the wrong decision. Yeah. You know, there's no way to know. Yeah. There's no well, that, way to know. That part's so tricky because, I mean, I do think, like, professionals like to make things really black or white, or like really yeah. hard decisions. Yeah. And, and the word enabling or codependency or whatever, like it's kind of shame mm -hmm. anymore. And like it's it is. it's kind of a, not the nicest thing to tell yeah, somebody. People and, make you feel yeah, bad because you want yeah. to help yeah. this, your loved one yeah. or your child. I mean, how could you not help your child? Yeah. yeah. If they tell you you're hungry or they're cold, yeah. they have nowhere to go, nowhere to sleep. Yeah. How hard is it, you yeah. know? I, and I, the one thing I wish I would have done differently is I wish I wouldn't have tried to get them sober through punishment. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have tried to support them more and still had them involved in family things, even yeah. if they were still using. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's the one thing I wish I would have done, yeah. you know? Um, instead of trying to punish them, thinking if I keep them away, then they'll stop. You know? Well, I really, I mean, and you were using the tools you had, you know what I mean, yeah. at, at your disposal. Yeah, you don't I, know what you don't know, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, mm -hmm. I, and even even our field, I think, even in the last four or five years, I think we're starting to figure out that this, like, don't talk to somebody for a year. Like, it's not, no. it's not kind. No, it's no. terrible advice. Um, it's terrible advice. And um, I, I actually think it is, too. And, yeah. like, I think there should be boundaries around things. For and like sure, yeah. Uh, um, or dangerous situations. Yeah, yeah like you don't want to expose other different. people to mm -hmm. dangerous things, and you need to protect yourself emotionally exactly. too. Yeah. Um, and only take it in certain bites or whatever. But but yeah, yeah like that that big firm like just push hard them away. Line. Yeah, it's hard the hard line. line. Mm -hmm. yeah, because on the other side of that, you know, that it's hard too. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. it's hard for them to mm -hmm. feel that rejection. Yeah. Because all I did was tell them not to be ashamed of who they were, and yeah. by by telling them I didn't want them around and made them ashamed of who they were, Yeah, you know? It was the information that was being given to you. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. You know, now our, you know, our family coach, Lisa Smith, is famously noted with saying, we set, we always want to remain in connection. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're really shifting as a treatment provider, of helping families align closely with their loved ones, not walking out in front of them, but walking by their side. Yeah. Um, and she talks about, you know, if we have an intervention and it goes bad, we lose connection, we lose influence forever. Yeah. Um, and so I think, again, I think we're, we're starting to shift and for really good reason. Mm -hmm. Because then parents and family members carry this tremendous amount of shame, mm -hmm. but it was recommended oftentimes by the treatment yeah. provider. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Shame and then it turns to guilt. Yeah. 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 Because now the, the shame turned to guilt and then as a parent you sit feeling guilty wishing... Yeah. What if I would have done something different? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and that's like the survivor's yeah. kind of guilt, guilt probably. But yeah. as a parent, it's multiplied by hundreds. Yeah, can't even imagine. Yeah, the guilt, the guilt. Yeah. I think that's a good a good spot for the kind of my next question, and that is, what message do you have for other mothers out there that are potentially going through something similar? Maybe something you want them to know that you didn't know at the time and want them to be armed in the best way possible to support mm -hmm. their loved ones. Yeah. Um, one of the hardest things that I had to go through was trying to get help for my kids. Because um, it doesn't matter where you call. Um, you can take them to the hospital. 
they're gonna do, you know, maybe a hold, they're gonna, but then when that's up, they're gonna kick them to the curb. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And trying to find somebody that really wants to help you or cares about you, you know, they need to, the parents and the moms need to be able to reach out to people like you mm. and, and have it be accessible to where you don't have to, oh, they're closed, it's a Saturday right. when your child is possibly overdosed yeah. or you don't know where they are and you're trying to get them help or whatever the case may be. You can't just do like the, the clinical way of it because it's, it's not just a clinical thing. It's um, they have to be able to call anytime and be able to get somebody on the line that can give them resources, give them direction, because I could never get that. Yeah. And I tried. And you call, and they, they're, oh, call, for, call this number. Right. And you call them, and they want you to spend $50,000, you know, give them a check for $50,000 to send them to a rehab. Yeah. You know? They need somebody that's actually there that's going to give them resources for where they are, where they live, yeah. their situation. And um, I really hope that that's something that you guys will, yeah. will do. But that's one of the hardest things is not knowing where to go right. and yeah. who to turn to. Yeah. Um, and you, you bring up such, such a phenomenal point. One of our core values is to disrupt the industry through quality of care. Mm -hmm. Like mothers out there, fathers who are calling mm -hmm. for their loved ones, ask good questions. Yes. If they can't give you good answers, hang up the phone. Right. Because what ultimately happens is there's an underbelly of this field and it's yep. pretty tyrannical. Mm -hmm. And you get a lot of people that, yeah, cut me a $50,000 check, we'll put them on a plane tomorrow. Yep. And you're like, what are we doing? And who yeah. are we doing it with? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Get curious. Not knowing what to do, though, that's, that's the hardest thing. And I would say if you're in that situation with someone who's in active recovery, who you're really, really, con or not active, active addiction, and you're really, really concerned about them is to get them to a detox, yeah. try to find a detox. That's the place to start. Mm -hmm. um, because it doesn't matter where you go, they're gonna have to detox, Yeah. right? Yeah. It's fair, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I wish I would have known that because I didn't. It took me years and years to figure out that if I could get them to a detox center, that gave, bought me a couple days to try to help them find some place to go. Yeah. Because I don't have the answer. There's still no answer. If yeah. she was an addict right now and I didn't know you guys, I'd be in this same situation. Yeah, right. I would be trying to figure out what to do with her. Mm -hmm. Who's going to help me? Who's right. going to help her? Because you feel like you're on an island and nobody wants to help you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you've it's that shame. Like nobody wants to talk about it. You take them to emergency room. Like, hey. They, okay, well, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You made the choice. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. That's hard. Yeah, it's super hard. You get turned away. And at some point, like the medical field is going to have to figure out that when they stop making addiction criminal and right. make it an actual um, health, health yeah. issue and not a criminal issue, mm -hmm. this is how it's going to be. And it's going to take time. Mm -hmm. But if we keep talking about it and talking about it and talking about it, I'm hoping that at some point people will quit looking at it as a criminal issue. Yeah. Well, the, the medical field is filled with discrimination, oh, right? Like, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. to your point, like they, they want people in and out. I, yep. I had a friend who um, had cirrhosis and actually needed a liver transplant, but he was not an alcoholic. 
And he would go to the, the hospital and like, um, he'd be treated so poorly. And yeah. then they would write on his chart, non-alcoholic cirrhosis, yeah. like in big letters. And then they'd treat him nice. Oh, geez. Huh. Pretty much don't discriminate against this guy. Yeah, so it wasn't his fault. fault. That's yeah, all exactly. it is. I yeah. mean, oh, it wasn't his fault. He didn't make the choice. And there's yeah. nobody it's that just, needs yeah. more love, connection, and affection than uh -huh. the vulnerable yeah. that are walking through the door in I the know. first place. I know. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is. I know. It's, it's terrible. So I just, I really hope that it gets, there's more um, resources for people mm -hmm. that are going through it. And hopefully it'll just get better and better and bigger and bigger yeah. mm -hmm. to where you can call somebody and yeah. find out where to go um, and who to call, how yeah. to get help. Like a reasonable resource list. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 For real people. Yeah. You know, exactly. not the family living up on the hill. Right. Yeah. For real people. Normal everyday that people. Have jobs that they have to get up to in the mm -hmm. morning to support their other kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it's, it's a real thing. Not yeah. everybody has millions of dollars of to pay for this stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's got to be somebody that wants to help. Yeah. Not just for monetary gain or personal gain or right. whatever the case may be. And I think that's who you guys are. I think you're like wanting to truly help. Mm -hmm. I mean, and clearly that's who you guys are. You're, yeah. you're here trying to keep Crystal's legacy alive I know, from I know. years ago. I, I mean, yeah. when did she come in? 16. 2016. 16. 15, yeah, 16, because Logan died in 16. Yeah, mm. so. So she was there. It really yeah, shows a lot. She was there. When... Yeah. She was there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Today I'll never forget. I'm obviously none of you. Tell me but about like, it. It was seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. A couple days. It was June fifth. Oh, June fifth. Wow. Seven years. Wow. Yeah. And she, I don't know if you guys knew this, but when we got home from the hospital after Logan passed, um, she came with me, and she overdosed in my basement the next day, wow. and I had to do CPR on her. I did not know um, that. And then call the ambulance, and they did the Narcan. And okay, and that you were talking about that a little bit before the show. Logan was his younger brother. He was he was six, six when yeah. he died. Yeah. He drowned. Yeah. yeah. So um, they were all real close to you know being the older siblings, and they all loved him. And he had a special bond with Crystal. Um, and I and to me, looking back now, I think it, it all has to do with this exact thing that we're talking about. He was here for a reason, for that short time. And um, she just, she was so attached to him that when we lost him, we lost her yeah. that same day. And I knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah it wasn't yeah. a surprise. And it was that pain, she didn't know what else to do. She couldn't deal with it, you know? Yeah. Some of us go run around the block, <laughs> right. you know, and yeah. other people don't. Yeah. You know? Well, I really appreciate um, the voice that you're allowing to be heard in the community with mm -hmm. KK Fearless. I mean, for the viewers out there, I mean, to have Melinda on today, you know, having lost three very, very, very close loved ones mm -hmm. in her life, and, and just to be able to come on here and talk about it openly to the viewers and give other mothers hope. You know, yeah. you talked candidly before we started on the work that you've done on yourself in order mm -hmm. to be able to show up on shows like this and speak freely. Mm -hmm. I know you have done it as well, Brooke. Yeah. I, just, I think it's just incredible and remarkable experience to share for viewers. And everybody knows somebody who's going through something yep. similar. You can't talk to somebody that doesn't know someone that's yeah. in an addiction or lost someone, honestly. Yeah. 
And so I think um, the KK Fearless thing is going to continue to build this up and in alignment with Peaks. We're actually getting ready to do a really, really cool music festival. Mm. I wanted to kind of um, wrap the show up with talking about um, what we're doing at the Peaks campus. And so KK Fearless and Peaks are coming together to raise money for a new musical spaces in Peaks. But in addition to that, get the word out. And so we are going to be doing a festival. We're going to have Satsang um, on, I think, the headliner as mm -hmm. well, and some other mm -hmm. bands as well. But just having fun and recovery. We're going to have some food trucks. We're going to invite people out. We're going to share Crystal and Kevin's story. Mm -hmm. We're going to have other testimonies of people getting up there. And we're just trying to get the message out there that hope is alive and well, yeah. and you can have it if that's your choice. Absolutely. And so maybe talk a little bit about what this festival upcoming September 9th mm -hmm. um, means to you, Brooke. And I know you guys did an amazing one in... Dillon, Colorado? Yes. Yeah, Dillon, mm -hmm. Colorado. At, yeah. at 10 Mile in Dillon. Yeah. Or it was Frisco. Silverthorne, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be the biggest yet, I mean, which isn't really saying a lot. We've only had two thus yeah. far, but we are really excited to be able to partner with you guys, and you guys are giving us that space and that mm -hmm. platform to share our message yeah. um, and our mission, and that's truly remarkable. We're so thankful for it. Um, but just to be able to, it'll be, what, a week after Overdose Awareness Day, yeah. right? And yep. so to be able to kind of include that or intertwine that in there and celebrate those and honor those that are still with us and those that aren't. Mm -hmm. um, and so to be able to make it where people can go up and share their toast testimonies and uh, how music changed their life and help them through their sobriety is what matters to us. Um, that's huge um, to be able to show actually that this coping mechanism works. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's our mission is let's go do this to all the treatment facilities in Colorado and mm -hmm. show that it's working and it's helping those in the recovery community. Mm -hmm. um, so it's going to be really huge and I'm really excited about it. Um, it's going to be great. Gonna yeah, be so I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. I'm really, really looking forward to it. We have, um, we're finishing up our campus at the end of July. We have a ribbon cutting somewhere in the middle of August, and then the concert's right at the back end of August, which is Overdose um, Awareness Month. And so mm -hmm. we just can't wait to build up the cause. It's like the more people that we can tell this story to, I think the more impact we can have in communities mm -hmm. at large. And I just really, again, appreciate you guys coming on so boldly, so courageously, yeah. and so humbly, and just sharing this, mm -hmm. at times, a tough part about the journey. Mm -hmm. And sharing it so openly with the viewers and us, it just means the world. And it's through that sharing and through that openness that you all will continue to have such mm -hmm. a, a tremendous impact for mothers, for sisters, for yeah. family members, for people that feel all alone, disconnected, yeah. and isolated mm -hmm. in this. Yeah. You know? It's a horrible feeling, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing, too, is it's a lot of people think that you know they may see me and see what I've done with this and think it came easy. And it didn't, yeah. you know, and I'm still suffering with it. Mm -hmm. I still, there's days that come and go with grief that it, yeah. you know, creating this nonprofit was not easy yeah. at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, but if I can carry on their legacy, then that's what matters. That's what I'm going to yeah. do. Yeah. Hard if or not. If we can help one person, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if we can help I, save one person, then it's worth it. Yeah, and it's, it's worth celebrating beautiful humans yeah. and the impact that they left mm -hmm. on this world. I agree. You know, yep. and I'm sitting in front of two people that, four people that they've impacted tremendously. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
So yeah, yeah. thank you all for being so brave and coming on. I yeah. appreciate you very much. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks thank for coming on. Thank you for Jay. everything yeah. you did for yeah. Crystal. You got mm -hmm. it. Because we're amazing. We we'll do it a million times. Over. I know. And you, you know will. And yeah. you will. <laughs> for all of our uh, viewers out there, please find this episode on all of the places where you get your podcasts, potentially social media outlets as well. Make sure any questions or concerns, if you have questions for Melinda or just yeah. want some more insight, please email your questions to questions at findingpeaks.com. Um, until next time, appreciate you. Peace.